Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. This morning I would like to invite you, if you will please, to open to the third chapter of the Gospel of John, third chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. And here we want to begin teaching something that the Lord has laid upon my heart, I believe will be a blessing to you. Shall we pray before we read God's Word? Our precious Heavenly Father, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to teach Your Word and to receive from Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit and the unction of the Spirit who will cause the Word to go forth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power to produce faith, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. As we read your word, our hearts are receptive, our ears are attentive, our minds are open. As we now channel ourselves to receive from your word that we may be living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men. Now we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin here in the third chapter of the Gospel of John, reading in verse 1. The message is, is entitled, I'm born again. Now what? I'm born again. Now what? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Jesus was the first individual to use the expression born again. Born anew. Born from above. And when you go out to witness to someone and you tell them, did you know that you have to be born again? Many times they respond the same way Nicodemus did. They'll say, well, I was born once. You know, what do you mean by this expression, born again? Or born anew? Or born from above? What are you talking about? Now, Nicodemus 
was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, a very religious person, very intellectual person, well-learned in the Scriptures, a teacher of the Jews. He wasn't somebody off the street that had no understanding of the things of God. He was entrusted to be a teacher of the Word of God. And secretly he came to Jesus by night and he said to Jesus, calling him Rabbi, really honoring him with that title, Master, Rabbi. I know that you're a teacher come from God. Now, had the other members of the Sanhedrin heard him say that, he'd have been excommunicated right there. But you see, his heart was being convicted because of the works of Jesus. And he says, I know, I know that you've come from God. I know that you're a teacher and you've come from God because there isn't a man that can do the miracles that you did except you come from God. You know, Jesus evaded all that. He didn't even relate to it. He looked him square in the eye, face to face, and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he can't see, know, recognize, perceive, or understand the kingdom of God. And as many others respond even today, he says, I want you to really listen to this. With all the theology he had, with all the religious upbringing he had, to be a member of the Sanhedrin, a leader, a teacher, a master of Israel, Jesus comes with the basics of Christian living. And this man says, Can a man crawl back into his mother's womb and be born again? He had no understanding of the things of the Spirit. How can he be so intelligent? How can he be so well-learned in the Scriptures and yet not understand the things of the Spirit? How can he be so highly educated? What good was his education doing him had he not understood the things of the Spirit? Jesus doesn't respond. Many times we try to get it across to somebody by responding and trying to get them to understand. But you know, the Bible says the natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so what does Jesus respond to that response? He says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, now, he says, he can enter the kingdom of God. He doesn't answer his question whether a man can go back into his mother's womb and be reborn physically. He just says, if you're not born again. See, let's not try to get around the issue when you're with us or somebody. Jesus said, and I do this to everybody that I witnessed to, I say, Jesus said. You know, those two words carry a lot of weight. Jesus said. You must be born again. What are you going to do with that? He didn't argue religion or doctrine. 
He said, you, Nicodemus, must be born again. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Well, the new birth is a rebirth of the human spirit. Unless the spirit of an individual has been reborn, that individual has no concept, no understanding of the kingdom of God. He cannot know the kingdom of God. He can't understand it. He can't perceive it. He can't see it. Neither can he enter into it. So what is the use of trying to tell somebody about the things that pertain to the kingdom of God? What good is it? They can't understand it. They can't know it. They can't see it. They can't enter into it. The only way you can enter into the kingdom of God, know it, perceive it, understand it, is by being born again. So the issue is, you have to be born again. And unless you're born again, you won't know these things. Well, the point is this. Once you have been born again, and you enter into the kingdom of God, where do I go from there? You were born into the family of God, born into the kingdom of God. But where do I go from there? There are too many Christians, and it alarms me, that after they're born again, after a few short years, you find them living just like they lived before in the world. Or you find them doing things that they used to do before they became a Christian. Or you find them so bound up, so carnal, they just can't seem to get free to enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God. You find them in churches. You'll always find them having uh, emotionally periods in their life where they become emotionally high. You'll find them on Sunday between the hours of 10 and 12 and maybe 7 to 9. And if you happen to catch them then, they're on fire. But if you catch them from 1 to 6... On Sunday, or Monday and Tuesday, and most of the day Wednesday, they've got a long face. Sun, or Wednesday night, they get a little rejuvenated, put a smile on their face, a little charged up. Thursday and Friday, Saturday. I know I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, anybody. <laughs> But if we are, God heals toes also. The, the point is this. I never did want to be an emotional Christian. You know, emotion has nothing to do with Christianity. The rebirth or being born again is, has nothing to do with your body. It has nothing to do with your mind or your emotions. And this is why most Christians that have experienced the new birth of being born again become a Christian. After a short period of time, they don't learn to develop and grow up spiritually. And so they rely on emotions and emotional experience to keep them. And unless there's a prayer meeting, unless there's a service, unless there's a song, unless there's something going on, they're down. But if there's something, they're up. Jesus doesn't want us to live like that. That's not the reason why it came. He came so that we can have life in abundance. Life abundantly. 
so that we can experience each and every day of our lives the reality of a personal, intimate relationship with the living God. And so that every day of your life, you're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. Bless the Lord. Well, how does this happen in our lives? If you'll find with me, please, First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. We will endeavor to help those that have recently been born again to enter into a full, complete, mature walk with the God that saved them and called them unto Himself. A fulfilled life in the realm of the Spirit. Expressing the very love and life of God every day of your life. 1 Peter 1, 23. When an individual is born into the family of God, he is a babe. Now you think about that. When a person is born again... He is a babe in Christ. As a newborn babe, he has to grow up or she has to grow up. Verse 23, I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version. And it says, You have been regenerated, born again, Now notice this, not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting Word of God. Well, you were born again through the Word. At the point of the new birth, when you became a born-again Christian, the Spirit through the Word regenerated your spirit, not your mind, nor the body. The Word is in our spirit. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God is in our hearts. It's not a rebirth of the body. It's not a rebirth of the mind. It's a rebirth of the spirit. And in chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure unadulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured and grow unto completed salvation. Now when he talks about you, once again, it's not a rebirth of the flesh. He's not talking about your body. When he talks about you, he's not talking about your soul or your mind. You must receive. See, your body wasn't born again. You didn't go back into an infant. Did you? Your mind didn't go back to not knowing anything, did it? No. See, that shows us there is an outer man and there is an inner man. I'll get to that. There is an outer man. There is an inner man. It is the inner man. I'm going to say it like this. Your body's not a Christian. Your mind is not a Christian. 
You are a Christian. Your spirit, the real man, the real you, you are a Christian. Your body's not. Matter of fact, your body's not been dealt with yet. Your mind's not. Your mind's not been dealt with yet. But your spirit has been born of birth of God. The real you. Now, if you're going to grow up and develop, it's going to be in the spirit. Notice Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to go very slow. I thought for sure I'd get an applause for going real slow. I thought for sure. I mean, machine gun Bill (laughs) has slowed down the pistol (laughs) range (laughs) action. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3. And we want to look at, well, begin reading in verse 1. Again, I'm going to be using the Amplified Bible for some of these references and Follow along best you can. You poor and silly and thoughtless and unreflecting and senseless Galatians. I'm glad he didn't write that to me. (laughs) Who has fascinated or bewitched or cast a spell over you? Unto whom, right before your very eyes, Jesus Christ the Messiah was openly and graphically set forth and portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as the result of obeying the law and doing its works? Or was it by the hearing, by hearing the message of the gospel and believing it? Was it from observing a law of rituals or from a message of faith? Are you so foolish and so senseless and so silly? Having begun your new life spiritually with the Holy Spirit... Are you now reaching perfection by dependence on the flesh? The new birth is a rebirth of the real man, the hidden man of the heart, your human spirit. But after a person is born again, many fall into the same category as these Galatian churches were. They began in the Spirit. Then they started their religious form, traditional ideas, and called going to church, fasting and praying, things that they do in the realm of the flesh. They call that being perfected or matured in the faith. A lot of our denominations today do the same thing. They call themselves holiness people because they don't do this and because they don't do that and because they don't do this and because they don't do that. Well, that's not growing up in the Spirit. That's not developing in the Spirit. You are not perfected by the flesh. You are not matured by the flesh. There isn't anything you can do to that old body of yours to change that body to be pleasing unto God. The only one that's going to change our bodies to please God is going to be Jesus when He comes and changes us in the twinkling of an eye. 
and mortality puts on immortality, and at that time this body will be pleasing to God. So we can forget holiness from the outward appearance of it, because this is not going to work. Have you begun in the Spirit, and now are you perfected by the flesh? No. The answer is no. You've begun in the Spirit, and you will be perfected in the Spirit. Birth started in the Spirit. Growth must take place in the Spirit. Do you see that? And the average believer has no understanding... No idea as to how that human spirit grows. How the human spirit is developed. And so they get caught up with the rest of the flow, go to church, do the things that they do. But they don't grow spiritually. Well, Peter said as a newborn babe, we have to grow up. If we're going to grow up, it's essential that not only do we understand the new birth, but also that we understand the triunity of man. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. I do pray we can get all this because it will bless your heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. We have to understand ourselves. Once we become born again, we have just entered into the kingdom of God as a babe. May I ask you, how much understanding does a babe have of physical things? How much understanding does a babe have of physical things? You show me a baby in arms. I mean, just born, that can cook and clean and work and provide for him or herself. I'll tell you what, I'd probably just say, Father, take me home. I never saw anything like it before in my life. But why is it that when we're born of the Spirit, all of a sudden, we expect people to act like mature adult Christians. That's impossible. Because as a child is born to the physical world, has no understanding of life, physical life. So as a child born into the family of God, has no understanding of spiritual life. I don't care if they were your Sunday school teacher in a church that wasn't saved and taught the Bible. They don't know the Bible. Boy, that's, that went over good. Oh, but brother, I know somebody that's a great theologian, knows all about... Yeah, they know about the Bible, but they don't know the Bible. They know about God, but they don't know God. Do you see what I'm saying? You can't even begin to know God or His kingdom until you're born again. When you're born again, you're a babe. Nothing you can do about that. Except start to grow up. But as I said, we've allowed the outer man and its intelligence and learning take the place of spiritual growth and development. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 tells us the makeup of man. 
And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, that is, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy and consecrated to God, and may your spirit, everybody say my spirit, and soul and body be preserved, sound and complete, and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. Here we have the triunity of man. When a man is born again, it is a rebirth of his spirit. If that man is 50 years old, his spirit was born again. His spirit is a babe. His body's not changed. His mind's not changed. His spirit is a babe. And because his spirit is a babe... As a babe, he must grow up in spirit. He must develop in spirit. The book of Ezekiel, you can go there if you like. You better go there because I want you to see the prophecy of the new birth. Chapter 36. And verse 26. A new heart, well, back up to verse 25, we'll read 25 right on through verse 27. Ezekiel chapter 36, 25 through 27. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit. Everybody say new spirit. Not a new soul, not a new body, but a new spirit. And a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now notice, I will also put my spirit within you. So here the prophecy of the new birth is God is going to take out your spirit. Put in a new spirit. He didn't put in a new soul or a body. And that 50-year-old fella, I don't care how intellectual, how highly educated he is. He, at the point of his new birth, is a spiritual babe. And the man, even though it's perfect, is immature. Example. When he was born a natural baby, his body is perfect. But that perfect body must grow and develop into a man, doesn't it? Well, the real man, the spirit of man, that contains the life of God, the righteousness of God, the faith of God, all the forces of the recreated human spirit, the graces of God, that real man, once it's born again, all the activity is in that spirit, in that real man of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in that man's spirit. The spirit of God comes to dwell within when you ask him in. But that spirit must grow up, must develop. It is perfect in a sense. It has the life and nature of God in it. But that spirit is a babe. It's a, it's a babe. 
and it has to grow up. Just like that body is perfect, but it had to grow to maturity. If it has the right diet, that person will grow and develop into a strong specimen of a human being. If he has the right education, he'll grow and develop to be a very intelligent human being. If the spirit of man receives the right diet, the right education, the right food, that spirit will grow up into him in all things. Do you see what I'm talking about? We have neglected the development of our spirit by educating our mind with the word. The church of today is guilty of this. How intelligent can I get in the word? My brother, my sister, God is not a mind. God is not a body. God is a spirit. You are not a mind. You are not a body. You are a spirit. If we neglect the education of our spirit, we'll be carnal all the days of our Christian life. Go with me to Genesis. Well, first of all, before you go there, go to first go to Philippians first. The man on the inside is the new creation. When the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. He's not talking about your body or your mind once again. He's talking about your spirit. The old things that passed away were the old things of the old man, the unregenerate spirit that he says, I will take out of you. The new things, all things that are of God are of the new man, the new spirit that he puts inside you. The spirit of man, the real man, is capable of living outside of the mortal body. It's capable of existing outside of the physical body. And in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 23, and verse 24... Paul says, but I am hard-pressed between the two. My yearning desire is to depart, to be free of this world, to set forth and to be with Christ, for that is far, far better. But to remain in my body is more needful and essential for your sake. And what he's actually saying here is, I rather desire to depart from my body so I can be in the presence of the Lord, which is far better for me. In other words, I can live outside of my body. But for you, he said, it is essential and better for you if I stay in my body so I can teach you. That's what he's saying. In other words, I can live either in my body or out of my body. When I leave my body, I, who's the I? I, the real man, Paul. Remember he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, we're willing rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord because we know that when... Our body, I could live inside my body. The man that is eternal, the man that is everlasting is the eternal spirit of man. 
And that eternal spirit of man was made in the likeness and image of God, not our bodies. Our bodies were not made in the likeness and image of God. Although God, the Bible says God's not a man. I'm not saying we're not going to look somewhat like we do when we're in glory. But I am saying God is a spirit. In, to save time, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7 and 8, around there, the Lord says, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness, let us make him. And he made them both male and female, made he them in the likeness and in the image of God, made he them. Well, God made man in his likeness and in his image. And Jesus, who came to reveal, to declare, to, to bring out in a manifestation, to expose, the Father said, God is a spirit. Well, if man was made in the likeness and the image of God, God is a spirit, then man must of necessity be a spirit that possesses a soul, which makes up his reasoning faculties, who lives in a earth suit, house, body. Do you get that? Remember he says that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, Peter says, I must shortly put off this tabernacle. Talking about his body. The body is, Jesus came in a, with a physical body, but when he left, he went back to the Father. We're going to do the same thing. When we leave, our spirit's going to go back to, to the Father. Then our bodies will be Come, you know, incorruptible when Jesus comes, or immortal when Jesus comes. But the real man is the spirit of the man. So after you're born again, you need to understand that you are a spirit. You need to understand that you possess a soul. The soul's not saved. It has to be saved. It's a process, but it's not saved. And the body has to be dealt with because you can't save your body in this dispensation. Your body can only be kept under in this dispensation. Your body can only act like it's immortal in this dispensation. But it cannot become immortal in this dispensation. But when Jesus comes, bless God, we're not going to have to fool around with our bodies any longer because it will be immortal. So, fooling around with our flesh right now is not going to make us more holy. But walking in the Spirit will cause us not to fulfill the lust of our flesh. And he's talking about walking... In the forces of the recreated human spirit will cause us not to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. So sometimes I have a problem with this area in my life. I'm trying not to do it. That's the wrong way to go about it. There's something lacking in your spirit nature. Something that you need to develop in your spirit life. And when you do, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's how you mature and grow up spiritually. Well, there's something I want to just say very quickly here before we... What I'm saying is find another scripture, John chapter 8, about the makeup of man. I think that will be vitally important and helpful to us. So that once you see that you become a Christian, what do I go from here? What do I do? Why do I have this flesh of mine that wants to rebel against the things of God? Why do I have this flesh that I'm living in that still wants to do wrong? Because your flesh has not been redeemed yet. Your flesh has the law of sin and death working in it yet. That's why it wants to do wrong. John chapter 8. John's Gospel chapter 8. We take a closer look at, at man's tripart being and you'll find out that man, his spirit is made in the likeness and image of God. And with his spirit he is able to contact 
the spiritual realm where God lives. The real man is the spirit man. It's eternal. Man possesses a soul which is composed of his reasoning faculties, sensibilities, and his will. I have a mind. Man has a body, which is his earth suit. It's his house, which puts him in this world. Entrance into this world is by a physical body. If you leave your physical body, I guarantee you, I've never saw anybody in a casket as of yet that could express himself through a body that didn't have any spirit in it. When the spirit is gone from the body, the body is what? Dead. So the body's not the real you. The spirit gave life to the body, not vice versa. So consequently, the body houses the senses. The senses puts the man in contact with the physical realm. Touch, sight, hearing, taste, smell. That puts me in contact with physical things. My body, then, is my house in this realm. It contains my senses that educate my brain, my soul. My brain is in the soul. My mind, the understanding. Now, the, the soul contains reasoning faculties. You've got reason. You've got reasoning faculties. The senses will give knowledge to the brain. They'll educate the brain. If you didn't have any of your senses working, you couldn't hear, you couldn't see, you couldn't touch, then really your brain would not be educated. We call them maybe an imbecile, someone who has no education. So there's nothing wrong with the brain as such. If they've lost sight, they don't have any sight. If they cannot hear, then the brain cannot be educated. It cannot receive knowledge. So the reasoning faculties then were given to man so that he can act upon the knowledge that is given to his brain through the senses. So the senses will convey knowledge to the brain, then, then of course, we can act upon that. So here we see Adam, a perfect human specimen. He is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in his body. His body contacts this physical realm and educates him. His, his body did not have control. His spirit was in control. His spirit had communion and fellowship with God. His spirit can talk, contact God. His spirit can have that beautiful, intimate relationship with the Father. And he had also the ability to partake of that divine nature so he can become a son of God, born out of the Father's womb. But we see that he didn't do that. He failed to do that. He fell from grace. Now listen. When man fell, his spirit died. The real man died. When the real man died, the inward man, Adam, that death had an effect upon his soul and body. Jesus said right here in John chapter 8, verse 44, You are of your father, the devil. And it is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks of falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar himself and the father of all lies and of all that is false. 
Now, instead of partaking from the nature of God and becoming his child, Adam partook of the nature of Satan and became a child of who? The devil. You were of your father. You are an offspring of Satan. He has your, become your illegitimate stepfather. He has given birth to you. You are born again. You have passed, Adam, from life unto death. Do you see that? His spirit passed from life unto death. He partook of satanic nature. And from the heart, he bringeth forth evil. From his spirit. The real man is a child of Satan. He should have partaken from the nature of God, but he didn't. Well, spiritual death is never a cessation of life. Spiritual death means separation from God, the life of God, and, and also being a partaker of satanic nature. Now, very quickly, go to Genesis chapter 6. I want you to see this before I go any further. I want to show you how this... Can you find two openings? Is that too difficult? Can, can you find two places? Genesis chapter 6. And Ephesians, I'm doing my best. If I explode, you'll forgive me. In the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. See, this is essential to growth. Where do you go from the new birth? If you don't understand this, you won't go anywhere. I mean that. You won't go anywhere. You won't even want to go to church. You won't even want to pray. But you get a hold of this, it'll set you on fire. Ephesians chapter 4, and also Genesis chapter 6. Let's do this first. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 first, then hold your place in Genesis chapter 6. Okay, let's take a look at verse 17. So this I say, I'm reading from the Amplified again, and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord, as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles do, in their perverseness, in their folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls, and the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception and willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves a prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Now, not only did, did his spirit become estranged from God, the life that was in his spirit, but the spirit life illuminated the mind or the soul or the reasoning faculties. And when they lost the knowledge of God in their spirit, their, the reasoning faculties were affected. Their brain was damaged. They had no knowledge of God. They became immoral. The thoughts and intents of their heart were corrupt because they were living after their father, Satan, 
and their minds even became reprobate. And it caused them to express the nature of Satan through their body. But you see, it starts in the real man. Adam did not die physically first. He died spiritually first. It affected his mind. It was manifest through his body. All right, Genesis chapter 6. Verse 1. And when man began to multiply upon the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took wives of all they desired and chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not forever dwell and strive with man, for he also is flesh. Also. He is a man, a spirit man, but he has flesh. Okay, listen. But his days shall be 120 years in his flesh. But man will live forever. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and intention of all human thinking was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made men on the earth, and he was grieved at heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy, blot out, and wipe away mankind whom I have created from the face of the ground. Not only man, but the beasts and the creeping things and the birds of the air. For it grieves and makes me regretful that I have made them. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. Enoch and Noah both witnessed to these people. They spoke to them of righteousness. Enoch, that was in his day, he spoke to them about righteousness. You know the life of Enoch. But they would not listen. You couldn't penetrate their heart. Their heart was hardened to the things of God. You couldn't get to them. That was the consequences of separation from God. And because of it, God was grieved. He says, what am I going to do with this people? They're going to live forever, but look how they're going to live forever. I have to number their days upon the face of the earth because they're causing even this world system to be corrupted with the life that's inside them from their father, Satan. Well... Go with me to James chapter 1. And I want to show you what the consequences of their lives would be. James chapter 1 and verse 13. And this is something that you need to learn if you're going to grow up spiritually. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no man. But every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire, lust, or passions. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Notice, fully matured. Spiritual death lodges itself into the heart of man. Spiritual death lodges itself in the heart of every individual that was born. Death passed upon all men. Death came by sin. It passes upon all men insomuch as all have sin, including every single one of us that was here, that's here today. We were in that death, in sin. Now, he's telling these people, James is, he says, don't anybody say that when temptation comes your way, any evil desire to do wrong, that it's coming from God. That does not generate from God. He says that does not come from Him. He doesn't do that. 
But a man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then sin, when it's conceived. Lust, when it's conceived, bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is brought into full maturity. Now, death did not come to full maturity in your life or anybody's life who's been born again. See, the person that's been born again, according to John chapter 5 and verse 24, you can look that up for yourself, says, We that are born again that believe on Him, we have passed out of death into what? What is the full maturity of death then? Well, the full process or maturity of the law of sin and death is this. Your spirit dies, it destroys your mind, and eventually it will destroy your body. Your body will then die. That's the law of sin and death. But that's not the end. Your spirit, the real you, that contains death within it, which is a child of Satan, that spirit will go into Hades awaiting judgment because that spirit cannot be sentenced to final judgment in this dispensation. But that spirit of that person who's died without Christ will be in Hades awaiting for the maturity of death, which is the second death, which is the lake of fire, which is not in this dispensation. Nobody's in there yet. So what we did when we got born again was we got out of the path of death. We got over into the pathway of life. We passed, see, Adam passed from life to death. And in Adam we all die and death passed upon all men. But in Christ, when we're born again, our spirit, not our body, not our soul, our spirit has passed from death into life. And now we are alive unto God. Now, there's another scripture here that we probably need to just read real quick. I want you to hold your place in James. We've got to go back there. I may be speeding up, but we've got to get this. Ephesians chapter 2. We've got a little bit of time. We've got to get all this. See, here you are in chapter 2 before you became born again. In verse 1, I'm reading from the Amplified. And you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins. In which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world. You were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to him and were under his control. The demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. The careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature the children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. So before you became born again, you were only obeying that form of doctrine that was delivered to you from your heart. You were a child of Satan. You couldn't help but to do wrong. The natural man can't understand the things of God. He doesn't understand. You could try to preach to somebody about the things of God now until Jesus comes. It's not going to help. You've got to get him born again. The only thing we need to be telling people is you must be born again. Because they can't understand any of that. They're obeying that form of doctrine from their heart. But now that you are born again, now that you are a child of God, now go back to James chapter 1. We've got to see this. This is... This will tie it up right in. Look at verse, the next verse, well, 16, verse 16. 
Do not be misled, my beloved brethren. Now, see, he's talking to brethren. He's talking to those that have been born of God. Your spirit has been regenerate, he's saying. And he goes on to say, don't be misled or don't be an heir. Every good gift and every perfect gift, free, large, full, is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning as an eclipse. Who is the gift that came from above? Jesus is the gift that came from above. He came to give you life inside your spirit that more abundantly. You pass out of death and into life. Then the next verse he says, and it was of his own free will that he gave birth to us. You born again? If you're born, you're born again here? It was of God's own free will he birthed us or gave birth to us. We came out of the bosom of the Father as sons by his word of truth, being born not of corruptible but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. So that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. Now understand this. This is how you're going to grow. My beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and get angry. Why? For, the, for man's anger, or for the wrath of man, does not promote the righteous God wishes, the righteous as God wishes and, is, and requires. Now listen to this. And that verse 20, whose wrath is he talking about? The wrath of man does not promote the righteousness of God. Listen carefully. You've got to get this. James said, you people have been acute after you've been born again, after you've been blood washed, after you've been birthed by God, you people have been accusing God of all your misery. You have been accusing God for the trials, for the temptations, for all the problems you've been experiencing in your life, for all the persecutions, the things that happen in this realm because of the law, sin, and death, you have been accusing God, he says, and the wrath of man does not promote the righteousness of God. And what he's saying is when you start getting angry at God because of all that's happening in your life, you cannot grow or develop in the righteousness of God. There are Christians today that say, well, well God made my, my young one die. That would make me mad at God if you told that to me. And see, the wrath of man does not promote the righteousness of God. So saying that God does these things is wrong. It will not promote your spiritual growth and development. And so he says this in the next verse. Verse 21. So get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit that's been born again. Receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts. Spirit contains the power to save your... Your what? That's your reasoning faculty. They've been thinking wrong about God. The word that you've been born of is spirit and life, Jesus said. And the word that we've been born of is incorruptible. And that word that we've been born of must be implanted into a heart, spirit of love, rooted and grounded in love, so that the mind, the soul, the reasoning faculties can begin to, if you could see it like this, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. You can get a, a flashlight. 
Hold it down there if you could just imagine that inside your belly. That is the light of the Lord. And the entrance of thy word giveth light. And as it shines up towards my thinking faculties, towards my soul, it illuminates my mind. Knowledge of this word will never educate my spirit if it's only up here. That word must be engrafted or implanted into my spirit nature. And when it is, it'll rise up in a heart of love. Then it will illuminate my mind and I'll have the knowledge of God. And those cells that were once destroyed by the force of death that was imparted to my spirit, they'll become, they'll burst open once again with the life of God in them. I'll become alive with the life of God, spirit, soul. And then it will ooze out into the pores of my body and my body will even respond to the life of God that's inside my spirit. If I learn the process, if I don't learn the process, I'll go throughout this life weak and beggarly as a Christian. But if I do it, just as he says here, then this change will, will take place inside. Now, I'm going to show you that the spirit of man, your spirit that's been regenerate, your spirit that's been born again. I know it took me long to get to this point, but here is how that spirit now will develop. Where do I go from being born again? Your spirit was born of, everybody say love. Everybody say God is love. See, I am born of love. Knowing love is knowing God. Okay, he says the sincere milk of the word. The sincere milk of the word. What is the milk of the word? I asked the father. He said to me, love. Like a light. I says, that's right. What does a baby need that's born in the physical world? Love. Nourishment. Love. The mother, father, they overwhelm that child with what? You've been born to the family of God? You need to be overwhelmed with the love of your father. And until you are, you will never know God. You will never understand God. You will never be able to reflect the love of God. Every recreated human spirit here must feed upon the love of God initially and then continually. Okay? An example. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Love is the first manifestation or manifest fruit of the recreated human spirit. You Automatically, you love one another. You're born of love. You're birthed out of love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Be rooted and grounded in love. The root, the heart. The word must be implanted into the heart and rooted in love. Your love then must, your spirit then must be developed in love. But it doesn't start with you loving somebody else. It starts with God loving you, little children. Look what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And most Christians are not told. They're condemned, even from the pulpit. You need to know how much the Father loves you with an overwhelming love. I want you to see these scriptures. I don't know where time goes. Look at 1 John chapter 4. You begin in love. 1 Timothy chapter 4 Chapter 1, verse 5 says, The end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart, charity out of a pure heart, and faith unfeigned. You are born in love. The end of the commandment is love. And it's going to be love that's going to promote your growth from beginning to end and cause you to develop and be like Him. 
First John 4, 19 says, We love Him because He first what? Because He first loved us. Does a, does a child love its parent first or does the parent love the child first? Anybody know that? The parent loves the child. The parent over what? That, that child has no understanding, no concept of life, doesn't know anything about life. But the parent provides for, cares for, nourishes, I mean, does everything for that child. And that child is growing up in an atmosphere of overwhelming love. That's a perfect atmosphere for that child to grow and develop and learn about life and morality. Well, we love him because he first loved us. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. See, you can't walk in love. You can't manifest the love of God. You cannot express love in this realm unless you know love or have been loved by God. And unless you are experiencing the love of God in your life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Once again, from the Amplified Bible. Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him. Follow His example. As well-beloved children, imitate their Father. And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us. Notice, walk in love as Christ loved you. And gave Himself for us as an offering. Now listen. Love one another as He loved you. Imitate your Father. A child can imitate its father or mother. A child can imitate its parents. Well, if I am not experiencing the love of God, He's loving me, then how can I imitate that love? How can I reflect that love? How can I love you unless I'm experiencing His love in my life? How can that happen? It can't. It'll be a false love. But when you are overwhelmed with the love of God and you know how much God loves you, then that love will permeate your being. It'll get inside your spirit. And when that love is just... Wells up inside your spirit. It'll cause you to love as he loved you. How many of you know that when a... I don't know if Brother Angelo is here today, but I, Brother Angelo's favorite expression is, a child is born, I heard it cry. You ever hear him say that? A child is born, I heard it cry. We've been, if you've been born again, you've been born of God. You've been born of God. Birth of the Father. Just as a child is born into this earth and takes its first breath and sometimes cries. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.